I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, an NFL and fantasy football podcast and now videocast. You can hear the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can also see the videocast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. See it right there at the bottom of your screen, KramerandBrill.com. Uh, during the offseason each week, we're taking a look at each NFL team, and this week we're going to explore the Green Bay Packers. This week our guest is Tyler Dunn, who covers the NFL for Go Long, and who has been following the Green Bay Packers in depth. So, Tyler, welcome to Kramer and Brill. Great to be here, fellas. Thanks for having me. Oh, good. We're looking forward to it. Uh, the Packers are an interesting team this year. It was a typical Packers season, but not a typical offseason. As a matter of fact, it's really been a bizarre offseason. Uh, so before we get to that, why don't you give us a quick recap of uh, Green Bay's last season? Whew. Well, you know, it was a good season, like you said, right? I mean, you go 13-3, and three, you host an NFC Championship game, you're one or two plays away from playing in the Super Bowl, probably probably winning that Super Bowl with what we saw. I mean, they had a roster that is arguably better than any roster in the NFL, which kind of makes Aaron Rodgers' uh, unhappiness a little odd for, for several reasons, but it's a really good team. And I, I think that it just goes to show, you know, all the work that Brian Gutekinds has done as a general manager. He's somebody that's under fire right now, but they've got a lot of youth on defense, I think, that's really growing up fast, growing up in a hurry. I mean, they – they really didn't have much talent on that side of the ball a couple of years ago. So whether it's free agency with his did Smith, Preston Smith, uh, Adrian Amos at safety. I mean, they've, they brought in veterans. They've drafted well and offensively they've surrounded the quarterback with a ton of weapons. I, I, I think this is pretty much the best case scenario for a future hall of Fame quarterback where you've got receivers all over the place. You've got backs all over the place. You have a smart play caller in Matt LaFleur um, it's, it's a really good team, a really deep roster, and they're set up for success for a long time. So I think you're encouraged, but you know, those opportunities, they don't come around every year, right? I mean, when you get into that position, if Aaron Rodgers sells out at the goal line on third down, maybe they're in the Super Bowl. If Matt LaFleur decides to go for it on fourth down, instead of kick a field goal, maybe they're in the Super Bowl. Those are decisions everybody has to live with for a while. Well, I'll step in here. Tyler, you brought up Aaron. I mean, I don't get what the big deal is. I mean, yeah, he's all right, but the guy's 0 for 2 in the past two NFC Championship games. I mean, how good is he really? So, I mean, what if you, I'm joking, but I mean, if you had to boil it down, because everything, there's really nothing to talk about with the Packers right now. You mentioned their roster and how good it is and whatever. So, obviously, the only thing to talk about right now is the beef and whatever it is between Rodgers and Gutekunst. Do you have any idea of what it really is? Because I don't. I don't think anyone else does either. You know, I think you almost have to separate fact from feelings here. It's a matter of feelings. His feelings are hurt. He doesn't like Brian Gutekinds. He doesn't like Mark Murphy. I think he likes his teammates. I think he likes his coaches. I don't think it's as lovey-dovey as everybody thinks between him and Matt LaFleur. They kind of tolerate each other more than anything. I mean, he loves the fans, so it's, it's about the GM. It's about the president. It's about them drafting a quarterback when he didn't want them to draft a quarterback. And we can debate that for hours and hours and hours. Personally, I think it was a genius move. You, you, you pick in the 20s every year. You see somebody with a big arm, with athleticism that you want to develop for a couple of years. you got to take him. It's the long-term health of the franchise. Like You're not going to have a shot at an elite-level talent in the top five, top ten when you're good every year. So you got to take somebody. You're going to hurt feelings. His feelings were hurt then. Um, they never really were repaired. And now he is trying to 
publicly embarrassed the Packers for one. Like he clearly wants them to squirm in the court of public opinion and, and make them look like fools. But, but further than that, I, I don't think he just shows up day one at training camp. I think he genuinely is pissed off that this team drafted a quarterback when he wanted to be the quarterback there for several more years. I don't think he shows up for training camp day one. I'd be shocked if he does. I, I think they, everything I've been told is this is real and he needs to see people fired before he steps a foot at 1265 Lombardi. You know what I, I, happen? I think he's going to come in like Khalil Mack a couple years ago, Dude. walk in the door on game day and go, all right, everyone out of my way, take over. And boom. I mean, <laughs> kind of like Khalil Mack did against him. Yeah. You know, I mean, think back to that game where he had no training camp, comes like in and dominates. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Interception, a fumble, recovery. I mean, strip the quarterback, whoever it was at the time. And then Rodgers, who's hurt, comes back and wins the game. I mean, that's, you know, yes, I, I pointed out he lost the NFC Championship game too, in fact, but so did I. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, the thing, the thing it, uh, is in the back of my mind, how much has he gone Hollywood? In other words, he's, he's did a, I thought he did a wonderful job on hosting Jeopardy. I really did. And I think some other people did. He's had former girlfriends, we know, in Hollywood, that influence. Uh, LeBron James has moved into Hollywood, is producing and producing mega television shows and all kinds of stuff and doing very well. How much has gotten into Aaron Rodgers' head, if at all, Hollywood? He's got yeah, a I think he, he could do something else. I think it's real. You know, I think the threat of retirement is a real thing, that he is that ticked off with the Packers and their culture, whatever you want to call it, like in his mind. He is willing to retire. He is willing to walk away. He is willing to do that kind of stuff, um, host game shows, act, whatever. I, I think he wants to definitely move closer to the West Coast. You know, Denver, Las Vegas are two teams that could use a quarterback. I think he would welcome a trade to either of those teams. I, I, and I, I think that would be one reason for it, right, to get out of little Green Bay, Wisconsin, and do stuff beyond the football field. You know, he's been there for 16 years. It's a long time. You know, you can only have so many steak dinners at Chives in Swamico, Wisconsin. So I, I think, I think that's a major reason too, is that he just is looking to do other stuff is maybe a little sick and tired of green Bay and everything that goes into green Bay. And I, I feel like it's real. I, I don't, you know, jeopardy would have to choose him too, but that does give him a little point of leverage here that he can tell the Packers. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to show up. You better trade me. You better do something for, I think, I do think they have to take that seriously. And he does surround himself, his inner circle. Now it's a lot of those Hollywood types, you know, a lot of people that were in his inner circle back in the day. It's no secret family friends. They've been cut out. He has replaced those people with a lot of people with ties to Hollywood. Jim Brown did it. Jim Brown just walked away and in a heartbeat and didn't, didn't go back. So at, at the top of his career, it's a great point. You know, yeah. I mean, we've seen even, you know, not Hollywood related, but Calvin Johnson recently. I mean, and Eric, you played with Barry Sanders before that. It's, it's not uncommon. We think that these guys just need football day in and day out. Not everybody needs it. I don't know if he necessarily needs it. No, I, I, that's true. And I, Barry, he, he could have gone on and played another 10 years if he wanted to. He could double his production. And uh, no, but I'll make one more comment. This is not a question, but a comment about Aaron Rodgers is that back in like the early 2000s, I was just breaking into broadcasting, actually with Fox. 
and I was doing some games. I was doing some studio stuff. And one time I got sent down to Mission Viejo to cover the Elite 11. And Bob Johnson, the Mission Viejo high school coach, is part of, he's one of the guys that started it. Yeah, so, Bob Johnson's dead. Right. So guess who's a quarterback there in high school? Aaron Rodgers. Who would have thought that Aaron Rodgers would be this Aaron Rodgers? Pretty cool. That's amazing. <laughs> that is. Man, um, that was really when it was starting off, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'll move on here. So David Bakhtari, you know, obviously one of the best left tackles, if not the best in the game, gets hurt right at the end of last season, kind of ramping up into the playoff run. Now he's got an ACL tear. I think I know the answer to this question, but how huge was that That at that time? What, what significance did that play in their ramping up into the playoffs? Man, that was huge. And, you know, David Bakhtiari is a guy I – I was at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I think that's when we first talked way back when I was there for, for stories. Um, he came in as a rookie and started right away. I remember there, there, there were some major question marks. Injuries kind of threw him into action earlier than the Packers would have liked. And, and he was a stalwart right away. I mean, he has been such a rock for this team, um, keeping Aaron Rodgers upright. You know, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz. I mean, these guys, other quarterbacks that wanted to be traded, they were running around for their life. Aaron Rodgers was sacked 20 times last year, right? Like he's barely getting touched. And this is a quarterback who hangs on to the ball, who's waiting for that big play to develop. So that's a remarkable statistic. And he is the number one reason that he goes untouched game in and game out. To lose him was huge. I mean, the, they're, they're probably in the Super Bowl. You got to think that he's good for – a few points in that game. Um, I mean, they were getting after Aaron Rodgers, Tampa Bay was. So to lose him was huge. Uh, all indications are that he has really recovered quickly. I, You know, with ACLs today, it's different than when, when you played Eric. I mean, it seems like these guys can bounce back and, and be themselves soon. So he's already working off to the side at minicamp. I, I doubt he'd be ready for day one at training camp, anything like that, but you got to think he's got a realistic shot to play early in the season, which would be huge for the Packers. And just another reason that Aaron Rodgers' unhappiness doesn't make much sense because he's got an offensive line that might be the best in football left to right. And that brings us around to the other Aaron. I mean, Aaron Jones was talked about going free agent to Atlanta, to, you know, all these other teams, and he decides to come back. Uh, does he come back because of Aaron Rodgers? Or, and if, if so, is that not a point of contention? Yeah, that was wild. I did not expect Aaron Jones to be back in Green Bay. You know, him and Jamal Williams were both free agents. You figured they could get Williams back a lot cheaper. I know Williams wanted to be back. I think part of Jamal Williams thought that Aaron Jones would be gone, you know, and, and he'd be able to be the guy in Green Bay with A.J. Dillon, who they drafted in the second round. So to get Aaron Jones back on what's effectively two years, was it two years, 20 million, that that's a team friendly deal for his kind of ability. I mean, he's a game breaker. I know he's smaller. I know he gets dinged up from time to time when he's healthy, when he's right, when he's on the field. I mean, this guy can go 70, 80 yards any given play. So that's huge for this team to get him going with AJ Dillon. Uh, we, we did a story with AJ Dillon at, at go long. I mean, this is an NFL unicorn. He's got 7.8% body fat and he's like 250. We all see the thighs. They're just unreal. I mean, Quadzilla, the quad father, whatever he's calling himself. Uh, he's, he's legit. I mean, he, he's a beast. So I think that those two backs in tandem, regardless of who's quarterback are going to be dangerous. 
Um, and to answer your question, I don't know. I mean, maybe Aaron Jones knew what was going on with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe he didn't. I think that if there was a better deal out there, he probably would have taken it. I think a lot of people thought, you know, Miami was in the play and, and this never, the market never really materialized. Um, and they knew what the market would be, you know, before he hit the market, you know, kind of drew Rosenhaus. He's, he's not exactly locking himself in a room and not talking to teams. He's talking to these teams. It just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. So it's Green Bay's game. You know, with everybody talking about what seems like, we, as we said, the only storyline left in the NFL right now being Aaron Rodgers and the, and the beef going on with the team, um, other than Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, um, maybe some people that are maybe less talked about. You've already mentioned Bakhtari. We talked about Aaron Jones. But is there other people within the organization, whether they be players or coaches, that you see as maybe somebody that's not talked about enough and contributes maybe more than what people give them credit for? I feel like Marquez Valdez-Scanling really doesn't get the credit he, he deserves. We see the drops, the fumble against Indianapolis, that led to death threats, you know, I mean, he, he's had some pretty big mistakes, obviously, but I mean, he did lead the NFL in yards per reception. The guy is a game breaker. You don't see receivers that are six, two, six, three strong, like him with that kind of speed. I mean, he's got burner speed at big, big size at a big, big size. I mean, that's a weird combination that you got to give Ryan Gudikins credit for finding a player like that, similar to AJ Dillon, right? I mean, you don't see running backs, who run in the four fives and are 255, you know, and, and built like a Mack truck. So they found these physical free kind of players for this offense that I think are ready to take that next step. And, and MVS is in a contract year. Um, he's got every incentive to have a big year. So we know that does mean something, right? Like everybody loves the game. Well, not, not everybody loves the game, but you know, if you're playing it, you enjoy it. You throw it, you sprinkle some of that contract stuff in there. It can be a, a good recipe for some success. So I think that MVS is exactly the kind of player you're talking about. Alan Lazard, another wide receiver, just tough blocker. I mean, I sat down with MVS for a story to go along and he made a point to bring up Lazard and said, like, you got to look at him as a blocker where it's third and one and he's crashing into the line to block linemen. Like how many receivers are willing to do that? Not many. I I like how you mentioned though, AJ Dillon, because to me, such a big part of the game is that last four minutes where you got, if you're ahead, you got to ice a game, knowing you got to run the ball. Yeah. And that guy's iced a few, you know what I mean? Like he'll break tackles. That guy's not getting less than three, four yards of carry. I don't care what time of the game it is. I mean, you've got Devonte Adams, you've got Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scandling, Amari Rogers is a third round pick out of Clemson. I mean, he's somebody that really could have got drafted in the first round. So I think to get him is such a value in the third. I know a lot of scouts love him. You still have St. Brown. You've got Bob Tunyon at tight end who had the best catch rate. I want to say out of all tight ends and all receivers, I think Isaiah McKenzie was ahead of him, but he's like a jet sweeper. You know, he's not necessarily running routes. Um, He catches everything you throw to him. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, You've got, so I think just all these weapons all over the place, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. You'll take the league MVP. I guess my point is they, they'll be able to put points on the board if Jordan Love is the quarterback. I really believe that. With these weapons that they have, they'll be able to move the ball. I, I can't just see this team struggling to cross midfield like those Bears did at times last season, you know, with oh. Nick Foles. <laughs> Sorry. You no, know, you're no, watching Bears. It's, it's it well-deserved, man. It's well-deserved. They got some issues there at quarterback. They'd swap. 
they'd swap backup quarterbacks to be their starting quarterbacks. I guarantee you. Well, let's um, see. There's guys like uh, Blake Bortles, Kurt Benkert, Jake Doligala. They're they're all all on that team. <laughs> I know, I know, but that's that's an indication of what the Bears don't have. Um, so no, I was gonna say. Uh, so Tyler, who would you say now, like? If Green Bay is the front runner to get back to the NFC Championship, who do you see within the NFC to be one of their other top teams that they're going to have to beat to get there? I mean, Tampa Bay brought everybody back. I, it, it's unreal. Usually, I mean, a team wins a Super Bowl, that Pat Riley disease of me theory, I mean, guys are going to go want to get paid. Like, you, want, you won your ring, all right, now get paid. Guys stayed, you know, in Tampa. I think the COVID cap had something to do with it where – Across the league, guys weren't getting the contracts that they necessarily wanted or probably deserved. So, you know, Jason Light and Bruce Arians kind of take advantage of that where they can bring back all basically their entire team on team friendly deals. But I think players just want to be around Tom Brady. Tom Brady's willing to take less money, like he always is. That helps. And they're just they're they're loaded. I mean, to, to bring back Shaquille Barrett, I mean, the, the whole D-line just had Patrick Mahomes running for his life. And um, Devin White's the best defensive player in football. I mean, you, you, you could really arguably say that. Like, Devin White is the best player on the defensive side of the ball, sideline to sideline, making plays. I mean, there's a reason they took him in the top five. I don't think a line, inside linebacker was taken in the top five um, since Aaron Curry, like a decade before that. Just because you get better value later. They saw something special in him, and, and that special is already just – blowing up games so yeah give me that defense give me all those weapons back give me tampa bay and they're, they're, they're the favorite i want to take a look at the draft you know they their first pick and they were kind of all over they picked a, a good amount of defensive players but out of the top eight or nine picks uh they were kind of all over the place but the first pick was eric stokes a cornerback yeah. uh, what do you know about him yeah eric stokes is a guy that it, it, remember we're all watching the draft and adam Schefter just dropped that bomb like we're I don't know, expected a trade to happen or, you know, in, in anticipation for something big. And then it gets to the Packers pick. You think, okay, of course they're going to take a wide receiver to make Aaron Rodgers happy. And they didn't, they took Eric Stokes. It kind of was anticlimactic for a lot of Packer fans, but it shouldn't be anticlimactic. I mean, he is a stud. You want to talk about speed, just shutting receivers down. I checked in with a few scouts around the league after that pick, and they just could not say enough about Eric Stokes. And this is a guy that's going to be able to start right away. And he'll be a starting quarterback in this league for a long, long time. It's, it's a premium position. You can't have enough cornerbacks. Green Bay, obviously, they were burnt at the end of that first half. Pretty bad. Um, that defensive coordinator was fired. And I know Kevin King's back, but, you know, I, I highly doubt we'll see him in that position one-on-one -on -one with the receiver in a Hail Mary at the end of a first half because of a guy like Stokes. So absolute steal for Green Bay. Um, what do you make of the relationship and how it works, the functional relationship between Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur? And uh, is Matt LaFleur primarily just he takes the team he's given or is he have more input into decisions of player acquisitions? That's a great question because – you know, I think there is that input. You know, Matt LaFleur, I know he was getting to know Jordan Love before that pick. I mean, he, he talked extensively with, with coaches like David Yost, an offensive coordinator at Utah State, when Love was at his best his sophomore year. 
Um, so, you know, I talked to Yost about it. He said that LaFleur, you know, he asked a lot of pertinent questions. There's a relationship there. I don't think, though, that the head coach is necessarily, you know, having a lot of say in that draft pick either. I think that maybe they provide their opinion. At the end of the day, though, in Green Bay, and it's been this way, Ron Wolf to Ted Thompson, to Mike Sherman in there for a little bit, to Ted, um, I'm sorry, I should say Wolf to Mike Sherman a little bit, to Ted Thompson, to Brian Gudikins. The GM has to say. The GM has the final, the final say on, on who's getting drafted, and that's just the way it's run. It's different in other places. Maybe it's a little bit more collaborative. Maybe the head coach is really the guy in charge. Like here in Buffalo with Sean McDermott, he's, he's got the power. But in Green Bay, um, Brian Gudikins has that final say. So I think that Jordan Love was his pick above, above anything else, just like – you know, a lot of these picks that have worked out, that's where it gets really interesting. Like he'll be defined by Jordan Love, right? Like Brian Gutekinds, it will be defined by his decision to take a quarterback. But we just mentioned Jason Light and how great that Tampa Bay roster was. I mean, they drafted Jameis Winston number one. They, he could have got fired a couple times over for that decision alone. But he also was drafting really well around the quarterback position. Devin White being one of those guys. Um, Antoine Winfield Jr., Sean Button Jr., uh, Murphy Button Jr. Uh, like so many of these DBs. Gosh, Carlton Davis, who gets burnt by Tyree Kill early in the year, balls out in the playoffs. Those are Jason Light picks. So it pays to kind of trust your GM for the long haul, too. So I think Gudikins has done a great job around the quarterback position. Now we'll see how he handles quarterback. I got to ask about the fan base. You know, uh, Green Bay's always had this super loyal fan base. Uh, you got this big controversy going on, probably, probably more people, and maybe I'm wrong, more people love Aaron Rodgers than hate him. Uh, what's the fan base there? How, how are they reacting to this whole thing? And, you know, I mean, they, they own part of the team, right? <laughs> they do, right? They, they're the owners. Like Mark Murphy's <laughs> just the CEO president. So, it, you know, I, I compare it to 2008. Um, so when Brett Favre was trying to come back, I was an intern in Green Bay, uh, that training camp, writing for a, different public, a couple of different publications. And it was like a baptism by fire for you know college kid like myself to see all this up close. It was overwhelmingly pro-Favre. Like, it wasn't even close. Aaron Rodgers is getting booed at training camp practices. Their family night scrimmage that brings everybody into the stadium. I mean, they fill the stadium for a dang scrimmage. Brett Favre had flown in that day to meet with uh, Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy. They basically told Favre to leave. We're going with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers struggles in that scrimmage. They're booing him again. They, they wanted Brett Favre to be the quarterback. Like he, he had just taken them to the NFC championship game. They were 13 and three, much like this situation. The difference is Brett Favre wanted back in. So I think that's where that support was rooted. Aaron Rodgers wants out. Um, Aaron Rodgers has made it, clear passive aggressively through his surrogates he hasn't really spoken for himself substantively which isn't for the best but it's pretty clear he wants out right like he wants out and fans see it for what it is they see this roster is really good they hear the reports that they're willing to pay Aaron Rodgers whatever he wants they know that if Aaron Rodgers plays well he can just force the Packers to trade Jordan Love like it, the ball is in his hands the ball is in his court so I I think to answer your question fans are pro Packers um, I'd say it's 80-20 even. I, I think it's pretty strongly pro Packers because, yeah, they want Aaron Rodgers to be the quarterback. Who doesn't want the league MVP? But with how he's handling it like a child, um, it gets tiresome, honestly, and they see it for what it is. 
I'll, I'll say I'll jump in and say this: as a guy that played against the Packers for nine straight years between Detroit and Chicago, that's still one of the favorite places I've ever been. Because you go in there and you literally drive through a neighborhood, Bob. It's like Canoga Park. Like yeah. you drive in, and then all of a sudden there's a stadium. It's the biggest building by far in Green Bay. Like there's no buildings in Green Bay. Just that. There's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> the tallest building's a church. <laughs> I, and I remember we, we stayed in Appleton at some little, it was almost like a motel, something or other. And um, Howard one Johnson, year, right? what, something like, no, it's smaller. And one year we, we, I, I was hurt for the game. And so uh, one of the equipment guys had a buddy that got, had a motorhome. And Green Bay is not far from uh, Chicago and or from where we were in Chicago, Lake Forest. So I drove up with the equipment guys in that uh, in that motorhome, and it literally like <laughs> it's like you're going through Nowhereville, and then all of a sudden there's Green Bay, which is yeah. a speck in Nowhereville, and uh, it's just a, it, I'll say this too: the fans there were awesome. Like there was a game, actually, this is Milwaukee. There was a game where when I was with the Lions, it was a game I wasn't playing, and at halftime we're in this little packed in. Uh, locker room that's no bigger than my living room and i poked my head out the door and, and the, the locker room sat on the mezzanine level and there was a couple guys that were coming from the hot dog brought they got a couple brats and one guy sees me and he goes here you want a brat and i'm like all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's good people. Oh, that's awesome they're, it's so true they're, they're they're unlike any other fan base and it was a joy to to be out there for five years myself to to cover the team day in and day out because i mean you could do a story on the fourth string tight end you know what i mean and they'll they'll yeah. go insane they'll go nuts so right. even opposing players have to kind of like that right like that that passion and the tradition that's just like emanating for every pore of that building it's it's unlike anything else. I mean, and you broke their hearts a couple times, if I remember right. Like you got a few wins in there. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, we uh, we had a, one game we played there. I think I told Bob this. It was like thirty something below, and <laughs> and uh, Barry gets handed the ball, and it, it's like a little a draw play going kind of up the middle. And Tiger, I think it was Green. I think is Tiger Green. Yeah. So Tiger Green, the the frozen the field was so frozen he was afraid to move. And so Barry's literally running right at him. Doesn't move himself. Tiger goes like two steps and falls down. And Barry just goes right past him for about a 60-yard run. I was like, that oh place God. is, you know, just between those two cities, I mean, you're right. It's a, it's a crazy fan base for both. And you're always, like, I remember we would get the, the uh, when I was in Detroit, I was out because we played in the Dome back in Pontiac. And I would always look at the schedule and inevitably, it never ended in San Diego. It always ended in Green Bay, Buffalo, Chicago, somewhere <laughs> below zero, wherever it was. Yeah, yeah for yeah. a Southern California boy, that was really tough. <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> well, on that note, our guest this week is Tyler Dunn, who covers the NFL and has been covering the Green Bay Packers in depth for Go Long. And there you have it, Kramer and Brill, fantasy football podcast, now videocast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Odyssey, and wherever you get your podcasts. And now you can also see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. You can see it right there at the bottom of your screen, KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. For our guest, Tyler Dunn, my friend and colleague, Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill. We'll see you next time.